know, walked to my bathroom, kind of turned the corner to get into the closet, got my pajama pants, and I kind of remember like putting them on and I noticed I was starting to kind of jog to my left a little bit. Like I was like unbalanced and just felt kind of weird. And so I thought, well, that was kind of odd. I don't know why I felt like that. The night before that we had painted a room and nothing, you know, crazy. I noticed that I had a sharp pain in the back neck area. The pain was kind of very sharp and I had some chest pains and I just remember having severe vertigo. I felt like I was in the air spinning turbulently and all the while there were 18 men trying to pull me down to the ground. It felt like somebody cracked an egg on my head. Like it just was very odd. And so I kind of, I think I had a panic attack at that time and I made it to the sink and I turned on the water, I splashed my face and I looked in the mirror and I couldn't make out my face. Like it felt like Van Gogh Starry Night, like swirling, like colors swirling. Like I couldn't really see my face, the pain in my neck and you know, my chest were crazy. I was yelling and screaming and he just looked at me like, I'm not understanding. And come to find out later, like I, I didn't know, but my voice wasn't casting. I was like yelping, but nothing was coming out. And I, you know, basically told him, can you just get me some Tylenol? I'm just thinking that maybe that, just give me Tylenol and I'll go to sleep and I'll be better. Like it was Sunday, we had to go get our child. Uh, you know, I had to work on Monday. Hello, Mark Goodyear here. Welcome to Stroke Stories. It's the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. In this episode, we hear from Kelly Fucek from Texas. She suffered a stroke at the age of 32. Before my stroke, I'm a wife. I was a mom of a young boy. He was around 18 months or so, or a you know, young toddler. I was in financial management and banking and investigations, and it was a little bit of a high-stress job. I was not really physically active, didn't really know how to cook. I didn't have any like, you know, regimen of like health. Like I, I really didn't understand what health was. And I was just trying to make it as a new mom. So that was pretty much my life before my stroke. I was a little bit in a stressful state and not sure. Sometimes I do think that that did contribute to, you know, my stroke. I woke up one morning, it was a Sunday morning and my son was actually over at my mom's house for the first time ever for that night. And so we didn't have uh, our son over there, you know, at the house. And I woke up and I, you know, walked to my bathroom, kind of turned the corner to get into the closet, got my pajama pants. And I kind of remember like putting them on and I noticed I was starting to kind of jog to my left a little bit. Like I was like unbalanced and just felt kind of weird. And so I thought, well, that was kind of odd. I don't know why I felt like that. The night before that we had painted a room and nothing, you know, crazy. So I, you know, left the closet. And as soon as I kind of turned the corner, I noticed that I had a sharp pain in the back neck area. The pain was kind of very sharp and I had some chest pains and I just remember having severe vertigo. I felt like I was in the air spinning turbulently. And all the while there were 
18 men trying to pull me down to the ground. And I lost my balance. I, the pain in the back of my neck was really just really too much. And I had a weird sensation at the top of my head. It felt like somebody cracked an egg on my head. Like it just was very odd. And so I kind of, I think I had a panic attack at that time and I made it to the sink and I turned on the water. I splashed my face and I looked in the mirror and I couldn't make out my face. Like it felt like Van Gogh starry night, like swirling, like color swirling. Like I couldn't really see my face, the pain in my neck and, you know, my chest were crazy and I crawled to my bed, got into my bed and I yelled for my husband and he, he, he didn't, you know, come. And I was like, I'm not sure why he's not, you know, coming. And then he finally came into the bedroom and he looked at me, you know, kind of confused and I was yelling and screaming and he just looked at me like, I'm not understanding. And come to find out later, like I, I didn't know, but my voice wasn't casting. I was like yelping, but nothing was coming out. And I, you know, basically told him, can you just get me some Tylenol? I'm just thinking that maybe that just give me Tylenol and I'll go to sleep and I'll be better. Like it was Sunday. We had to go get our child. Uh, you know, I had to work on Monday and I just really didn't pay attention, you know, to, to a few signs that, you know, now that I know. And I honestly, I waited two days before I went and saw any medical attention. So I was throwing up that night. I had another vertigo bout, you know, Monday I worked from my bed while I was laying down. So finally Tuesday, my husband was like, if you don't call the doctor right now, I'm taking you to the ER. And I said, okay. So we called my doctor. He got me in and, you know, I was kind of walking like an elderly person. Like I, you know, my head was hunched down. I couldn't look fully up. My balance, of course, was off. And when I was on the table or whatever that chair thing is for the doctor's office, he had asked me, I need you to look up at me. And I said, I, I can't. I'm sorry. Like, there's no way. My neck hurts so much that I, I can't look up at you. And so he said, okay. So he started squeezing my hands and, you know, told me to kick my legs. And then at that moment, you know, he's like, I, I really need you to squeeze my hands. And I said, I, I am. I'm trying as hard as I can. And so that's when he called for an MRI and within what felt like 10 minutes, like it felt so fast. I had an MRI and a CAT scan and, and all the medical things. And they did find that I had a tear in my vertebral artery. At that time, I really didn't understand what it was. I, you know, was put in the ICU. The neurologist was explaining to me, you know, what had happened. And he was a little bit not surprised, but you know, a 32-year-old having a spontaneous vertebral artery tear, usually those types of strokes happen when someone has had tr like blunt trauma to your neck, like like a surfer that crashes or a gymnast, you know, that had an accident or whatnot. So for a couple of days, we didn't know if we were going to have to have surgery, like what type of tear, what the protocol would be best for me. I was, you know, plus size woman and I smoked and I just immediately felt like I had brought it upon myself. Like I was like, I shouldn't have smoked. I, I shouldn't have, you know, I should have, should have, should have, stuff like that. And I mean, the neurologist had tried to assure me that the type of stroke I had was not conducive with, you know, smoking. Kelly spent 10 days in the ICU. 
we came to, you know, an agreement that we would not do surgery. It was, it was not something that would be beneficial. Uh, the risk was a little bit too much and they wanted to try drugs and Coumadin, things like that to help my body naturally try to heal itself. I had a little bit of deficits or like, you know, muscle issues and strength on my left side. My left hand and, and leg were affected, but not horribly to where I needed um, to stay in the hospital for rehab. I did rehab at home. And within a year, I had another scan. And just as fast as it happened, we found out that the tear was healed. So during that year, it was very crazy mentally, like depression and survivor's guilt. Will it happen again? Should I not reach up and look up at something? I just, there's so many things, but that's pretty much, you know, the stroke part of it. I was very ashamed of my stroke. I didn't even mention it for like four years. Like it was just, I was so, I thought I brought it upon myself and, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to tell anybody. In about 2014, my dad, who was a firefighter for Houston uh, for over 27 years, very lively, boastful, the best laugh in the world. Like I was a, you know, huge daddy's girl and uh, he had fell sick and went to the uh, hospital for, for pancreatitis. And we just thought, okay, he'll get over that. And then, you know, we need to get his health in order and whatnot. And, you know, by day 10, it, it just progressively, he was where he got worse and I uh, was in his hospital room. He he was intubated, you know, not not really coherent. And I just remember looking at him in the bed and thought, oh, my gosh, like, I need to spend more time with my kids. Like I post stroke, I, I had a daughter uh, and she is nine now and, and my boy is 15 now. And I just felt like I had such a great childhood. You know, my mom was was a wonderful woman, hard worker. They, my parents had divorced when I was younger. I ended up spending a little bit of time more with my dad. He was a firefighter. So their schedule is very, you know, like they their shifts are, are different. So I had more time with him and I spent a lot of time with him. And we had so many fun memories that I remember. And, and I just remember looking at him in the bed and thought, okay, I feel like I'm in a rat race. I feel like I'm working too much. I'm, you know, the job is not fulfilling me. I'm very stressed. I want to do something bigger. And my dad had always told me, you know, you need to share your story because there are people out there that, you know, they need to know the stroke signs. They need to know what happened to you. They, they need to know that they should not wait two days to seek any medical help. And they, you know, you have a voice, you, you can help people. And that just kept on playing over and over. And so I got home that night and I started looking for jobs and saw that there was a, a job opening at a local high school for, you know, in their admin office. And while it was a big pay cut and a really scary decision within, you know, 10 days I'd interviewed and they did all the checks and I got that job. And my dad unfortunately passed away, you know, within about 24 days of that whole situation. And so it was at that point that, you know, it just felt like he was ripped away. It was just so unexpected that it really changed my perspective, and, and which is crazy because you would think if you had a stroke, wouldn't that not change your perspective? And it did. I just felt like a calling to make sure that I 
did my part and I honored my second chance and that, you know, getting more into my faith and, and honoring my dad would, you know, I think that that was really the catalyst. And so while I was at that high school, I really, really had a different mindset and things started, you know, doors started kind of opening in a different way. I, I was introduced to a local woman uh, that worked for American Heart Association here in the Houston area. And she had asked, you know, would you like to share your story? And at first I was like, oh my gosh, no way. Like I, there's no, there's no way I can. And I just kept on thinking about my dad and, you know, getting a little bit uncomfortable with trying to do things that you want to do, but you're scared to do. And so I said, yes. And I ended up being a, an event speaker at one of their Go Red luncheons. And that was really good. And that kind of started my advocacy for stroke and stroke awareness and, you know, for stroke survivors to not feel ashamed and to keep in pursuit of like what your goals are and what your what drives you and, and, you know, what keeps your passion and fire lit. I'm very, very in tune with my body now. And I pretty much just started sharing my story. Uh, I got more opportunities to, to help others. And I got my health coaching certificate. I got a, a my training license to coach CrossFit. And I've been coaching for six years now. And I, you know, took some classes and got into more of like a digital media type of work. I started a podcast and one of my best friends, Amanda, we, we do the podcast together and it's just a way for us to share stories and help others, you know, in, in everything with any type of survivorship, you know, we, we're all survivors. And I just think that sometimes you lose sight and you, you kind of lose face sometimes, but really the biggest thing is, is connection and awareness. And, you know, my stroke was very scary and I don't, you know, I know I am very blessed to have survived for one and to overcome, you know, deficits uh, that I had and depression and mental health is very important. And I think that a lot of times stroke survivors kind of don't have an outlet or a place to, you know, really share their concerns and fears and that it's okay to, to, to feel like, why did this happen to me, especially in the younger groups, because I feel like strokes were just associated with the elderly. And that's one of the things that I, why I dismiss my signs. I mean, I'm a firefighter's daughter and I never for once thought that I was having a stroke. So I just think that you know, connection and talking about things is so healing and helpful. On the way, Kelly shares her experiences. I was introduced to a local woman uh, that worked for American Heart Association here in the Houston area. And she had asked, you know, would you like to share your story? And at first I was like, oh my gosh, no way. Like, I, there's no, there's no way I can. And I just kept on thinking about my dad and, you know, getting a little bit uncomfortable with trying to do things that you want to do, but you're scared to do. And so I said yes. And I ended up being a, an event speaker at one of their Go Red luncheons. And talks about caregivers finding time for themselves. There's a certain type of stress that you go under as a caregiver. And I would just say, keep steady, 
but please find an outlet that makes you feel like you and that you don't lose your identity in caring for someone else. Let's hear how Kelly feels at this point in her recovery. I can tell you that I am the happiest I have been in a very long time. I have a, a job in digital marketing at a wonderful company that helps with heart rate monitoring and does a lot of just wonderful things for the world uh, called Polar. And I love my job. I also coach CrossFit in Spring, Texas at TTR CrossFit. And they are just amazing. We've been through ups and downs of life and it's a wonderful you know, community. And I'm blessed to you know, coach others and especially women. I feel like a lot of times, you know, I mean, I'm still plus size. I've, I've lost a lot of weight, but you know, I'm Latina and I always will have hips and, and such. So, and I embrace it and I love it. And so I, I really love to coach women with lifting weights and, and, you know, letting them feel comfortable in their own bodies and that everybody is amazing. Like all bodies are resilient and beautiful. And um, I just really enjoy coaching and, my podcast is just beautiful and I have a small company that I formed called SI Strong. I do speaking engagements. Uh, I do, I formed a walking group that will start very soon walking in my community and I'm very happy. I'm, my kids are just beautiful and I'm excited to share that I will be celebrating with my husband 20 years of marriage this spring and that is a feat like you know it's it's tough marriage is tough and i'm so thankful for my husband and all the support that he gives me and all especially as a caregiver oh my gosh like you know he took on a lot on his shoulders and i just will always be appreciative of his love and support for sure and you know i'm just really in you know i'm in my mid 40s I am very open with what I'm, what's going on in my life, you know, especially I share on social media a lot. I talk a lot about, you know, survivor's guilt and I talk a lot about perimenopause, which I feel like a lot of women don't like to talk about or whatever, but it is what it is. And so right now in my life, I just feel so thankful and I try to pay it forward as much as I can. And every day, you know, I wake up and I thank the Lord that I am here and that I'm going to make the most of my second chance and give myself grace at the same time and not be so hard on myself. And just to continue to try to raise amazing human beings and try to help amazing human beings, you know, out in the world. And here is Kelly's advice to stroke survivors and their loved ones. My first piece of advice for stroke survivor is you know your your first six months is so important mentally right so i would say one day at a time one step at a time you know i use that analogy because it truly does help you in anything you're doing and so really give yourself grace and take it one step at a time and please allow some help please be okay with asking for help because there are people that will help you if you'll let them. And then the second piece is for care caregivers. There's a certain type of stress that you go under as a caregiver. And 
I would just say, keep steady, but please find an outlet that makes you feel like you and that you don't lose your identity in caring for someone else. And that kind of spans across parenthood, you know, motherhood, whatever, but caregivers go through a lot. They have a lot of stress. They handle so much. And so reach out for help and don't lose yourself. And if you do find that you are so stressed, just just reach out because you are amazing. Like, like caregivers are just the most beautiful souls in the world. Following her stroke, Kelly has made it her mission in life to support other survivors through their recovery. And she's also started her own podcast called Unfiltered Survivors. Thank you for listening to and supporting Stroke Stories. Please do subscribe and share and rate so that we can spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, as ever, we'd love to hear from you via our DMs on Twitter or Instagram. They are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Listening.